You are listening to Hydro Talks, a podcast from the global aluminium producer Hydro, setting out to explore the modern dilemmas for industry and society. Welcome to Hydro Talks. This is Craig Johnson from Hydro, and I am your host this episode as we discuss climate challenges and how aluminium and recycling can help the world lower greenhouse gas emissions in an unprecedented way. With us today is Trond Olaf Christofferson, who is head of recycling in Hydro. He has been on an outreach effort to show how aluminium, if produced correctly, can help move us towards the 1.5 degree economy. That is, limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius from pre-industrial levels. Uh, welcome, Trond. Uh, let's talk about the so-called 1.5 degree economy. What is that and how does aluminium fit in? So the 1.5 degree economy is, of course, a reference to the Paris Agreement uh, and the goal of limiting uh, a global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees above uh, pre-industrial uh, levels. Um, and, and for aluminium, um, I think uh, uh, aluminium has key roles to play both sort of uh, as an enabler uh, of, uh, of uh, limiting uh, global temperature growth, but also in terms of, uh, of reducing emissions and, and contributing in that way as well. Uh, so just to say a few words uh, on the sort of enabler side, um, aluminium is, uh, is uh, a key enabler for, for many applications to reduce uh, emissions uh, and also enabler for, for example, renewable energy. So on the, to start on the automotive sector, uh, aluminium has a key role to lightweight, lightweight vehicles. Uh, it's a key component in electrical vehicles, in batteries, um, uh, and, and, and in, in, in that sense, a key enabler for reducing and limiting emissions from the transport sector. Um, aluminium is also used in a in lot of renewable energy uh, production facilities, like in, in solar uh, production, in wind farms, and so on and so on. So, so aluminium plays a key role in enabling reduced emissions uh, in the user phase of the material um, and in, in different sort of uh, sectors uh, where, where where there are significant um, uh, potentials and significant uh, targets to to reduce emissions overall. And this, and this of course, is all the um, all the advantages during the the so-called use phase. And and then, of course, the 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 big the big topic is is recycling. That what you can do with uh, with these aluminium products after they've reached the end of their useful life. Yes, yeah, so so recycling is 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 a key sort of uh, um, uh, key uh, component of the of the aluminium industry. Um, uh, that aluminium is recyclable uh, infinitely is is uh, is uh, sort of a very important and attractive um, uh, uh, component of of aluminium. So, so, so in that sense, aluminium is also uh, clearly a part of the circular economy um, to reuse the material again and again. Um, now, most, most people are, are used to uh, 
returning their aluminium cans and other packaging and things like that. That's something that's very sort of day to day. Um, what can we do or what can companies do to make sure that more of the aluminium in their products gets recycled? Uh, things that might be a little bit more difficult than an aluminium can. No, so so I, I think also when you look at at cans uh, in Europe uh, and and in many European countries, uh, you see a very high share of, of recycling of aluminium cans, and and that is good. Um, uh, I think both regulations uh, and and sort of customer expectations have been key sort of enabler for the high recycling rates of, of aluminium cans. But, but I mean, if you look at other regions, uh, for example, in the US, uh, you will see that there's still a significant uh, improvement potential to, to improve uh, recycling rates of, of aluminum cans. So, so some analysts, for example, they, they, they uh, estimate that roughly 50% of the aluminum cans in the US is, is lost and, and, and landfilled rather than recycled. So it, it clearly shows that although in, in some regions uh, we have uh, more or less solved uh, the challenge of so recycling, for example, used the beverage cans, uh, still um, as, an, as a total industry, um, there are, are significant improvement potentials. And, and to enable such a transition, I think sort of the can industry is, is a good, good example because it illustrates that both uh, regulations uh, and sort of customer expectations are key to enable the transition. Uh, I think that if you look at specific countries that have high recycle rates of, of uh, used beverage cans, then if you look at uh, uh, that, uh, uh, again, how regulations are used uh, to give the right incentives for the whole industry to recycle cans, that, that clearly illustrate that, uh, that uh, there are several roles uh, that the different parties need to play in order to facilitate such, a, such a high recycling. Mm -hmm. And if you look at other uh, other segments where we use a lot of aluminium, um, again, you can look at the automotive industry and, and end of life recycling of, of cars. Um, again, you will see significant differences uh, between the different uh, countries. Um, uh, and again, it's a combination of uh, regulations um, um, uh, and taxes related to uh, uh, or, or economic incentives to return um, uh, cars at the end of the life uh, and then enable uh, sufficient uh, recycling of, of, of the materials in the cars at the, at the end of life. So again, uh, uh, regulations um, and the right incentives, uh, but also an, an active industry and, and uh, active end consumers uh, that really ask for and, and look for, for higher recycling rates. Mm -hmm. And not all aluminium is uh, is created equal. Um, here in Norway, we have a lot of hydropower, whereas in other parts of the world, uh, there's coal-fired plants and other energy sources. What uh, can you say about this idea of not all aluminium is created equal? What are the benefits and, and challenges there? No, uh, this goes a bit back to what I said, that aluminium has both uh, a key role as, a, as an enabler of uh, reduced emissions uh, in the use phase, but also a key role to play when it comes to reducing emissions in the production of, of aluminum and production of primary aluminum specifically. 
Um, because if you look at total emissions from the aluminium industry, from bauxite mining and, and, and energy production and, and through the uh, aluminium smelters that produce the primary aluminium, there are significant uh, emissions uh, from producing aluminium. Um, and, and the biggest emissions are actually from the power source uh, for the aluminium smelter. Um, so if you look at uh, uh, aluminium smelter based on coal-fired power, um, then you maybe have uh, 20 kilograms of CO2 per kilogram of aluminium. But if you look at, uh, at an aluminium smelter powered based on hydroelectric power, then you maybe have four. So it's a significant difference. And I think for the for the whole industry, um, aluminium has, in some sense, gone the wrong way in the last two decades because we have seen a, a dramatic or significant increase in aluminium production uh, based on uh, coal the past two decades, and and it's especially uh, the primary production uh, expansion in China based on coal power that has significantly worsened uh, the CO2 footprint of of the material. So to attack this challenge, and I think that is that is clearly necessary uh, to live up to a 1.5 degree economy and, and even a 2.0 uh, degree economy, it is necessary that the aluminium, aluminium industry reduce emissions from the production of primary aluminium significantly. Um, and, and the first area to attack is really um, the emissions from the power source to the aluminium smelters. Uh, and then, then a transition from coal-based uh, power to renewable energy is a key and necessary enabler uh, to be part of, uh, of the solution uh, to the climate challenge. What do you think uh, the chances are of that happening in the short term? I, the G7 leaders just met and, and uh, action on, on coal power was actually not what people had hoped for. No, I mean, short term, uh, uh, I mean, this transition will take time. So so this will not be done overnight. But but there are clearly positive signs that we are moving in the right direction. Um, and you can, here you can really look to, to China and the changes in China. As I said, uh, the, the sort of the increase in coal-based uh, uh, aluminum smelters uh, in China has, has uh, been a, a challenge for the whole aluminum industry in terms of uh, the climate footprint. But now China is also moving rapidly in the right direction of, of focusing on reduced emissions. And they are uh, moving uh, aluminium smelting capacity from, from regions based on coal-fired power plants uh, to more hydropower and, and renewable energy. So, so China has clearly seen the, the challenge and they have started to move in the right direction. Um, but I also think a, a positive trend from the market side and from the end consumer is also supporting this development because we... Uh, even the last two years, we have seen a significant improvement in, in uh, climate consciousness from the end consumer, uh, asking for uh, the, uh, the CO2 footprint of the material and asking for greener uh, metal. Uh, so both those uh, sort of supporting forces will drive the industry in the right direction. Is there a common uh, standard that, that determines what is so-called you know, green or greener aluminium? Uh, how do we avoid the uh, the uh, greenwashing aspect of it? Uh, people want this uh, greener metal, and a lot of people are saying that they offer it. Um, how do we address that? No, so so currently there's no clear market standard. Um, 
but it seems that generally uh, most analysts and, and several companies uh, they will market um, or sell alum, greener aluminium as aluminium uh, produced based on uh, hydroelectric or renewable power and then typically you will see emissions between four to six uh, kilograms of co2 per kilogram of aluminium so that is sort of, uh, um, I think that the whole market is trending in direction that this is a standard for, for greener metal. Um, still, there are uh, sort of improvement potentials to reduce emissions uh, further, uh, working in the whole value chain, not only on the smelter side, but also in, in the, on the mining and, and uh, alumina production, which is the raw material for the, for the smelters. Um, um, and, and this will sort of be a, a longer term development towards uh, more and more reduced emissions. Um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to sort of the uh, the standards and the and the greenwashing challenge, there I think we are just in the start uh, for the whole industry and for the whole market. There are a lot of competing definitions out there um, when it comes to what is green and, and how you calculate uh, a CO2 footprint um, and, and, and sort of the general climate uh, footprint of the, of the material. And I think it will take time before we are able to standardize uh, on, the, on, the, on one common standard in, in the market when it comes to green aluminium. And, and as long as we have these, all these competing um, definitions of green material, then there's a clearly risk of, of greenwashing. Um, but, but longer term, I think actually the greenwashing and these more, let's call them creative definitions of green aluminium is a threat to the whole industry. Because uh, because longer term society will expect from our industry that we reduce emissions and that we that we actually reduce emissions in our production phase and in that sense is part of the solution to the to the climate challenge. So um, to improve the situation, uh, I think uh, partly regulatory uh, frameworks will be required. Um, here, I think uh, the European Union will be a sort of a, a front uh, leader in terms of establishing those uh, standards. Um, but I think that is sort of a, a key enabler for the for the whole market to to move in the right direction and, and actually uh, contribute to solving the climate challenge uh, also for, for this industry. Part of the discussion within the aluminium industry is how to define aluminium, not just by uh, carbon footprint during production, but also this this notion of what we call pre-consumer or process scrap the bits left over uh, during the production of aluminium products and then the post-consumer scrap like used beverage cans and and car parts and things like that what does this discussion have to do with perhaps setting standards for what is greener or to avoid uh, the greenwashing yeah no there is clearly a discussion within the industry um uh, if 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 all re recycling is uh, is equal or if if recycling or post-consumer scrap uh, is uh, is sort of uh, more important in terms of actually solving the or contributing to solving the climate challenge. If you look at recycling of pre-consumer scrap or the process scrap, uh, uh, which is created in the whole value chain up to we have a sort of a finely assembled product delivered to a, to an end consumer. Um, I think the whole industry has, has really solved uh, this challenge and, and nearly or between 95 to 100% of all process scrap or, or scrap created through the whole uh, production phase um, is taken care of on the, by the industry. Recycling of, um, of pre-consumer or process scrap 
uh, that is all about resource efficiency and due to the right economic incentives due to the value of the process scrap uh, this challenge has really been taken care of by the industry and and all more or less all of this metal is taken care of and, and recycled today um, when it comes to recycling of post-consumer scrap uh, there we still have a, a long way to go to to improve the recycling of post-consumer scrap um, and that challenge is is it's a bigger challenge for the whole industry because it's not only about the, the industry it's also about uh, how we collaborate with other industries like the, uh, the waste recycling industry um, and it's also about how end consumers uh, contribute to sorting and uh, and and collecting all the scrap uh, and it's also about technology development uh, because uh, we would need to develop a lot of uh, uh, sorting technologies to improve uh, the possibility and the scope for recycling of, uh, of post-consumer scrap. Many million tons of aluminium is actually landfilled globally. Um, uh, a lot or a big part of that aluminium could have been taken care of um, with the right incentives, with the right technologies and the right collaboration with other uh, with the waste collection industry uh, to ensure that that scrap comes back into the loop. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you, uh, since there is demand in the market and people want to do the right thing increasingly, what kind of advice do you have or what can people do as consumers and as designers and buyers, material buyers and companies, what can they do to choose the right material? A very strong force uh, for an improved uh, development for the whole industry will be the end consumer's choice. Um, and, and, and conscious end consumers asking for the, for the right material and, and really uh, challenging um, uh, the uh, the uh, sort of the, the claims from the industry, I think, is a is a strong force uh, for good and a strong force for the right development. But of course, it's not easy for for individual consumers um, to um, uh, to get the data and really compare different materials. So then, uh, clearer and and transparent and and common standards on how we calculate uh, um, climate uh, footprint and, and emissions. Is, is also a, a key enabler and a support for the end consumer to make the right choice. And here again, I think uh, uh, also regulators uh, can play a positive role uh, in terms of establishing those standards um, and, and, and demand from the whole industry that you need to, to label your products based on the common standards to simplify the choice for, for end consumers. So all those sort of uh, um, elements will be important drivers for, uh, for the right development in the whole industry. Uh, but also I would like to add that to improve uh, recycling um, in the whole industry, uh, this really starts in the design phase when we design new product. Because um, uh, sort of the how difficult and how costly it is to recycle aluminium um, is really about uh, how this how the product it is designed and how easy it is to to uh, separate the aluminium component from the steel component or copper component or, or other materials, and then then to design for recycling uh, is is a key concept that is also required uh, in order to improve uh, the recycling of post-consumer scrap. And, and also here, I think we see a positive development. We start uh, to see uh, automotive players 
specifying um, that uh, they want to do design for for recycling. Um, and they have clear uh, requirements uh, when they ask for new new components to the to the new cars uh, that uh, that they sh they they need to be designed for for recycling to simplify to simplify that process. Uh, so all of these elements are 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 important drivers and contributors to uh, to to improve the overall recycling of the uh, of the metal. And I guess at some point a consumer just as they look at a. A label on a, a food item in the grocery store, they'll be able to look at a chair or a car or any product that's got aluminium and, and perhaps be able to see a label or a QR code or something like that, and then be able to determine for themselves that it is an, indeed a, a more sustainable product. With sort of uh, transparent uh, and and common standards uh, on uh, on uh, on how the different uh, suppliers uh, sell their products and, and market their products and, and uh, declare uh, uh, the carbon footprint of the material is a key enabler. But also that when the end consumer is buying something, uh, that they can uh, uh, use um, use their the cell phone and 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 uh, for example read the QR code um, and get the actual uh, footprint for the actual product that they are buying is also a, a key enabler and, and 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 will simplify the end consumer choice. And there we can, uh, or I started to see uh, blockchain technology that can be used um, uh, to document uh, and certify uh, the, the, the climate footprint of, uh, of uh, end products. Um, and, and there are several companies uh, now with, uh, with uh, sort of pilot schemes. We are looking at, uh, at the blockchain technology and how we can use that uh, to, to simplify the end consumer, uh, end consumer choice. We have been talking with Trond Olaf Christofferson, Head of Recycling in Hydro. Thanks for joining us today, Trond Olaf. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Hydro Talks. Thank you for listening to Hydro Talks. Make sure to subscribe. If you have any feedback or comments, get in touch at podcast at hydro.com.